0: The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch-ch-chumba. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: This
1: podcast is proudly brought to you by Printall Carlisle. Producing top quality flags for CSCs like the Carlisle Boys and also for Celtic Down Under. Contact Louis at
0: Printall Carlisle for more details.
2: to the Celtic Down Under podcast. I'm your host Jared and joining me on tonight's podcast is Sean. How are you, Sean?
1: Doing pretty well. It's been a pretty hectic week. Uh, we had our AGM for my local football team and uh, you're now talking to the, the new president of Leeming Strikers.
2: Oh, Royalty in the house. Love it. <laughs> and uh, Liam is joining us as well. I How are good. you, Liam? Um,
3: Celtic have managed to screw up my mail order once again. My away top was sent by Regular post instead of the express post I paid for. Twice in a row, made the same mistake twice. So I'm still wearing my hoops tonight, but I should be wearing my away top. It's not going to be here for another week. So not a happy camper.
2: Just as long as you don't order 10, then, and they won't fuck up 10 in a row for you. That <laughs>
3: surprise me with Celtics, Celtics' shop right now.
2: Yeah, uh, we love, love having a bit of a laugh about things. So let's just jump straight into it. The first topic we've got to discuss is. uh the old, let's all laugh at Sevco, nil-all-draw against Livy. Unbelievable because they're all talking, you know, points are in the bank. We're going to be 11 points clear before Celtic play again next. So it's good to see them slip up like that. Some of the best things I saw was Rangers put up a, um, a Twitter thing, score predictions for today, and there was a couple of tweets that caught my eye. One bloke, Ben, commented, 3-1 Rangers with another clean sheet. <laughs> and the best one of the lot, 1-0 Rangers, Morelos hat-trick. <laughs> so, Liam, we'll jump over to you. What was your take on that result? And got anything you want to give anyone some shit about or just have a yeah, laugh well, at you them? I want to, to have
3: you. a go at the bookies here because, you know, after listening last week to how Rangers were going to sweep everything in sight, you know, I like a bet. I immediately went out and stuck a tenner on Rangers to win the league, the League Cup, the Scottish Cup, the Champions League, the World Cup. The Kentucky Derby. Imagine my shock when they wouldn't take the bet because <laughs> apparently the Derby is only open to four-year-olds. Anyway,
0: <laughs> so
3: I watched the full game on Sunday and it was it was funny um, because you could actually hear the desperation in the voices of the commentators as it became clear that Rangers were not going to win this game. <laughs> they um it was like oh and, and that's not gone in and oh that's not a penalty and of course it isn't it was never close to a penalty but um you know they um they Livingston set out in a very clear way you know they didn't even really have a, a recognized striker for for the entire game it was um quite clear what they wanted to do and they did it and rangers let them do it because their attack was so inept um was i mean i actually it was about an hour before i even realized that haji was playing because he just was so ineffectual <laughs> Um, their, their best player on the day was Kent Who, you know, was good in his own Very kind of direct and uninspiring way um, But no, we have nothing to fear from them We have absolutely nothing to fear from them They really, they have yet to be seriously tested And they've already dropped points So bring them on, I say
2: Yeah, I agree with you on that We're um, Yeah, it was a bit of an ugly game to watch But I'd like to hear what Sean's got to say about this game too
1: yeah, I watched it as well. I was up in the middle of the night with an unwell infant, so I suffered through the Rangers game as as well as the sick child. Uh, double double case of suffering. Uh, there was really no danger of a football game breaking out. Uh, Livingston were happy to defend deep. The pitch was shocking. Like even guys just trying to dribble the ball and the black you know the black rubbers coming up and. Rangers just kept getting it wide and kept swinging crosses in, and it was just Livingston were just soaking it all up. And um, uh, I, Ryan, I, I agree with Liam. Ryan Kent was the only player that looked like he might do something. Every roof and Etten it, it looked like he couldn't even get a touch of the ball; like he looks like an amateur. Uh, I nearly, nearly orgasmed when the Livingston player almost caught the Rangers goalie off his line from his own half. That would have been. Uh, I might have been running round the room at that point if that had went in. Uh, that one was quite enjoyable but yeah it was yeah it was a brutal game of football but it, at least it puts us on an equal foot in terms of drop points
2: the thing i liked about it was as you said there was the strikers did nothing they had that many crosses coming in they set up well but there was no plan b and that's something that we've always said there's nothing to be threatened by with gerard because he only has one plan of attack so yeah I agree with what you said earlier Liam there's nothing of fear from them I think the team that's going to run us closest this season will probably be hibs by the looks of it so far so um yeah onwards and upwards for us once the boys are back in action on the weekend a few other rumors that have come through over the last week oh not, not even rumors actually confirmed players out on loan we had shred confirmed on loan to KV Mechelen in Belgium I think it is And then we had uh, Leo Connor on loan to Tranmere Rovers. Sean, what's your take on those loans?
1: Uh, Do you either
2: of them back at the club at all in the future or not?
1: Mm, Maybe O'Connor, I doubt it was Shred. But then I I thought the same about Ryan Christie, so it remains to be seen. Uh, The comments from Michelin was they couldn't believe that they've got a player with such ability, Uh, which was interesting because he has shown it in flashes for us, so... Makes you wonder why he's never even had a chance, really. Uh, I assume it's all down to lack of effort and lack of English language. Uh, Leo O'Connor, I've never seen playing, so can't really comment, to be honest on that. He's got a full cap for Ireland, so there must be something about him. And he used to beat Man United, but... I've yet to see it. How about you, Liam? Well, What's your take um, on it?
3: I agree that I don't think we'll be seeing Schwed again, which is a shame because he's a player that I quite like the look of. Um, but um, he, uh, the fact that they're letting him go to a club that is not in an English-speaking country suggests to me they've given up on trying to get him to learn English, which seemed to be the major stumbling block to him getting into the Celtic team. So I would imagine if he does well at Mechelen and he'll end up joining them at the end of the season. And good luck to him.
1: Well, he's got a sell on clause yeah. as well, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, I believe so.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. So basically, like what I've heard through the in the no agents on Twitter, and also from people over in Scotland, is that problem with Shred is that he's got this attitude problem and he had similar issues when he originally left the Ukraine and he went back to, went over to Seville or something like that in Spain, then went back home to the Ukraine. And then when he's been away with the international team as well, there's been issues there. So apparently he's not the easiest guy to play with and get along with. Um, And then you factor in on top of that, he's got Forrest in front of him, who's pretty much got the jersey nailed on every week and the breakdown in him not really learning very much English at all. Yeah, I think his time's up. Leo Connor on the other hand, massive rap for him. I've seen a few of the the reserve games when he's played. Captained our reserve team, did well at Man United in their youth ranks. One of my mates is a big Man United fan, so you go to his place and you'd see it on Man U TV, watch your reserves play, him out there doing well. So I think as long as he's getting consistent week in, week out football at a first-team level against men instead of playing in the reserves against kids, that's going to be better for him and I'm hoping we'll see him as a long-term option coming back to us next year.
1: Why is he not a backup left-back?
2: Because he's a right-back.
1: <laughs> oh, look, as someone who pretends to play football, I can tell you that right-back and left-back are much the same thing. Um, but why Do you know what I mean? Why is he not sticking around until we've signed a new left-back?
2: Yeah, I don't know. That's for Lenny <laughs> at the end of the day. it's um, When you look at our right-back options, you have Mel Hamid, Frimpong, He'd be third string there. And then we've got Ralston who can still play. Is he still at the club? Because he could be easily be your third string right back in the role that Bauer played last year. So I would actually rather him go out, get his loan, get the loan, get the games and come back to us. But at the same time, as you're saying about another left back, well, it's the old the old comment that Louis on the cynic used to say all the time, where's my left back? It's yeah. been an ongoing thing for years. So I thought we'd fix that issue last year. I'd actually like to see young Daniel Church get a bit of a run. Seeing him in the reserves too, he I've like got a big rap on him and he's a left back. So um, I'd like to see him get a run as a potential second or third option. However, if we make the Champions League, we do need a, another guy to challenge Taylor at left back. Yep, I agree. A yep. couple of rumours during the week. Duffy and Burke to Celtic. Unless it's not the usual yearly Paddy Roberts rumour. So Liam... What's your right. take on um, those rumours?
3: Now, when we when we first mentioned Duffy last week, I, I'll, I'll admit I didn't really know anything about him, but I went and looked him up and watched some of his footage, and yeah, he's he's exactly what we need. Good, no-nonsense defender. So I say get him signed. Um, Burke is an interesting one, because I think the first time around that we had him, we deployed him in the wrong way. We tried to play him as a striker, and he just isn't a striker. If he was brought in as a backup to Forrest, I think he could be quite effective so I wouldn't be against
2: getting him and provided to practice. agree with you 100% on that. I think he was played out of position by the Rat when he was at the club. So, yeah, if he came in as a backup to Forrest, someone to put yeah. pressure on him and challenge him, great, that'd be a good pickup. Duffy is exactly what we need. We've got a lot of ball-playing centre-backs. We need someone who's just going to go out there and be the old hard bastard, as I constantly refer to him, a guy who's going to not afraid to leave the studs in if need be and someone who's going to marshal our defence. So, yeah. Great play, and that's what great players both would fit in with what we're doing. Sean, what's your take?
1: Uh, well, that's interesting because you know, as everyone correctly points out, Duffy is a old fashioned defender, and how often is it that we we, we require an old fashioned defender? There's a reason why we have ball playing centre backs, and it's because for ninety percent of our games we're all out attack, and our defenders are basically auxiliary midfielders and. Wing backs, you know. Um, so I'm not sure if he's worth the money or not, but we definitely the centre-back, and if he's a Celtic fan, I'd be more in favour of him. I just worry that he's not necessarily the type of centre-back that we need. Uh, as for Burke, when he played, uh, I, I really wanted him to succeed, but I just got the distinct impression that he was this kind of modern a- a- athlete, rather than footballer, where you know, he's got all the attributes to succeed, but he doesn't have game intelligence and is, doesn't have any instinct for the game. Uh, he's basically just someone who just runs in a straight line and he's fast and fit and strong. And Yeah, I mean, maybe he can improve. I'm not sure, but I personally don't think he was worth the money that he would cost.
2: The thing with Burke for me is I th- it's one where I think it's the... You see it a lot in England where too much too soon for the young players, like he's come through at Nottingham Forest, he was playing at a decent level. Then he got the big money move over to Leipzig, played over there a little bit, then came back to West Brom, and he's basically been perpetually on loan the whole time since then. So he's had a couple of big money moves, but I think it's a bit, it just seems strange the way it's played out for him. Like, yes, he's an athlete first, he's a footballer second. However, I think if you had a consistent three four year run at a club where he come in sign a contract had a manager develop him and let him play and grow into a role then that's what he needs and I think Celtic the environment there is what he actually needs
1: I hear what you're saying but also I feel that whenever a player goes to Germany it's a very technical league and it's very good at developing players and if somebody's gone through two years in the Bundesliga and come back with still no kind of nous for the game, it, it 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 makes me worry that that's just not in them. Good mm. point. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think
3: that's a, that's a, that's a good point worth worth considering as well. Um, he's for a relatively young player, he's been around a lot, and you've got to wonder what is it that keeps making other clubs say, "Ah, no thanks." You know, maybe there's a want about him in terms of his dedication or his fitness or whatever.
2: I don't know. That's modern football for you, yeah, though. At the end of the day, it's the way, unfortunately, you look at the clubs like Man City, Chelsea, clubs like that, how many players they have out on loan every year. It's, it's starting to trickle down into Germany, into France, into other leagues. Like, we've been linked with another couple of PSG reserve players in the last week. I didn't even get their names, but that sort of thing is starting to mm. f- trickle into football and yeah it's the same thing happened with I mentioned him earlier Paddy Roberts when he went to Man City he went there for 12 million pound or something as a young kid never was going to never made the grade there been on loan pretty much the rest of his life since he signed there so i don't know i think it needs to be more all in champ sort of transfer go out somewhere knuckle down for a few years and develop because if he keeps that constant changing of clubs, he's going to go nowhere.
3: He's he's consistency. he needs to have a good two or three years of performing well at the same club.
2: Spot on. So the next rumours we've got is something we don't want to be hearing. Oli and Cham exit rumours. Apparently, Evident is preparing an £18 to £20 million bid for him. The talk coming out that we're also seeing all over from the the in-the-know agents and the social media people is... We went and scouted Gavin Stracken. Went and scouted David Turnbull in person in Motherwell's game on the weekend. Liam, what is your um, thought on that?
3: Might not be popular view, but I'm really I don't see what the big thing is with David Turnbull. A decent enough player, but I just don't see how he enhances anything over what we've already got. No, I'm not really too enamoured with that whole the whole idea. I think that the circus around trying to sign him last season was kind of embarrassing, and I really don't think we need
2: to revisit it. And Sean, what's your take on it?
1: Well, it it, it's a, it makes business sense, but not football sense. So N'Cham is a player that we need for European games, really. Uh, he's fourth choice in the, the league games. Uh, so if we do make that move, it's almost like we're sacrificing a bit of European pedigree for a financial move. Uh, it just, you know, it's a smart thing business-wise to sell and charm for eight figures. You know, and someone who last year probably knocked five million off his transfer fee just by, by the things he was saying in public about wanting to move on. So do you want to keep a discontent player? Do you want to have him run down his contract? Do you want to have him knock more value off his transfer fee, either by playing poorly while unhappy or by saying things in public? Or do you sell him for eight figures and... Bring in an Infidara player who's going to be to be fourth choice.
2: Yeah, I can see both sides of it. I actually don't agree with selling N'Cham. I think, as you said, he's the sort that we need for Europe. I think if we were to sign Turnbull, it wouldn't be N'Cham going out. It would be Rogic going out. As much as that hurts, saying that as an Australian Celtic fan, Rogic would go out, Turnbull would come in, and we'd go from there. That's where... How I think it would go if it was going to be anything, but yeah, don't really want Oli to leave, but depends on his contract situation as well.
3: Yeah, yep. yeah. Actually, now you say it, Rogic going would make more sense, because um, I still think in the fullness of time that um, if he st- if he sticks around, and Cham could become the replacement for Bruni, you know.
1: Ah, look, they, as well. I've heard heard that David Turnbull in the Hibs game uh, the weekend. I didn't get to see it. Apparently he was head and shoulders above every other player in the pitch. You know, I was like, does that really say much that he's the best player in a Hibs versus Motherwell game? Does that make him good for good enough for Celtic?
2: The thing with like that though is we've got a I agree with what you're saying, it's a Hibs versus Motherwell, but we're talking about domestic football, right? Yeah. Now the off the back of that, if we don't have a good Scottish core and sign up these players, the young Scottish guys who are showing talent, then we'll struggle to put our good quality squad together going into Europe in years to come. Because if you saw our team list for Europe during the week, we don't we've got like three or four open spots still, but we can't fill them because we don't have enough local Scottish players. So if you sign Turnbull because mm. his association grown and developed, if you had have signed Hickey instead of him now going to Bayern Munich, that fixes two weak spots in your squad and gives you two more Scottish players. So yeah. you've got to look at it from that side as well, not just for the domestic game, but also for European squads going forward.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah that makes it's sense. True.
3: It's It's a practical thing, but it, it's not something that I like to think about because I, I just think, maybe I'm too idealistic, but I really think you can only sign players to. Yeah, like I'd, the I'd rather,
2: um,
0: um, for
3: depending
2: on the price that they'd want for him as well, they're not going to get the same money that... They, they, we had last year. So yeah, that's not going to happen, but if we were to have a um say if they got if it was 2 million quid or something like that, you consider it. But then at the end of the day, Lyndon Dykes is apparently a 2 million quid player, so if that's what you get for 2 million quid, then that's not going to happen. But I'd rather see Luca Connell get a go. See if he's an option for us going forward as well. Uh because he's a year away from being homegrown
1: why not uh, try and get some money off the Turnbull transfer fee by sending Connell back in the opposite direction on mm-hmm. loan
2: Another an idea there you go there you go ding 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 <laughs> um, Celtic Football Club
1: uh, get on to Gavin Strachan Gavin Gavin
2: 19 and a half minutes into this podcast listen to <laughs> it there it is for you as you are doing your job send commissions with all right, so Moussa Dembélé versus City in the Champions League. What a man! Did you see that at all, Sean?
1: I did actually. I watched the the extended highlights. Uh, he, I don't know if you're aware, but he was he came off the bench after about an hour, so he didn't he, didn't, he wasn't trusted to start the game, which I thought was interesting. Um, but yeah, the two goals were not you know it wasn't like he beat five guys and smashed it in. They were both kind of fairly rudimentary goals. Uh, One where he broke off side trap and the other where it was just a deflection and he tapped it in. But at the end of the day, it's uh, another 10 million onto his value for us, which is already inflated just purely because he counts as a homegrown player in the EPL.
2: Yeah, I'm happy with that because it's uh, more money in our pocket and Pep Guardiola must have nightmares and he wakes up in a cold sweat and it's just saying, Moussa Dembele bulging the old onion bag. So, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> happened a couple of times now. Liam, did yeah. you see that at and, all?
3: Um, yeah. Um, all I can say is, best league in the world, my arse. <laughs> 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 I really, I mean, I've, I've not any, no got anything yeah. against Man City. I've actually, you know, I've got quite a few friends who are City fans and they're decent people. But just the absolute delusional arrogance of these English commentators who just you know they think that their league is just untouchable and there they were taken apart by what i think is actually a pretty workman like leon's side you know
2: whoever runs moose's twitter account fair play mate fair play like you've got people commenting and stuff and it's like you know farmers league down there and we're a tinpot league up here and it's like best league in the world and yeah good fun
1: did anyone uh check twitter to see if there was any sevco fans uh claiming they were better than Man City because they beat Leon two weeks ago.
2: Oh, God. No, I didn't say that. I didn't even no, look for that. I'm, I'm yeah, assuming I'm it sure happens. It I'm
1: assuming right.
2: it happens. There's plenty of uh, pictures of Deludemol on my phone that I can comment on every single one of those posts if they are there. Yeah. So Well,
3: assuming goodbye. that the one that has access to the computer had won the fight for the communal brain cell in the Hunt household that night, you know.
2: <laughs> that was the one left out of the inbreeding. <laughs> Boom, my job, been there, done that, said so it, next. <laughs> Let's get on to the uh, continued fallout from the Bolongali situation. Sean, do you want to go through what you've seen off the back of that?
1: Yeah, I, I don't know where this uh, decision to re- retrospectively introduce rules and uh, charge Aberdeen and Celtic with i mean bringing the game into disrepute. Fair enough, the players, particularly and Golly, who committed a criminal act, yeah, charge the players, throw the book at them, as I understand the maximum uh, ban they can get is eight games, fine, give them an eight-game ban, but to uh, charge Celtic and Aberdeen, particularly Celtic, who, by all accounts, are pff, the most strict of any team. We are one of the two teams who paid for their own machine to do the testing, Okay, us in Ross, us in Ross County, only two teams that did that. Uh, we've got Three levels of exclusion zone in Celtic Park. We've got the red, amber, and green zones, so you can't even get anywhere near the stadium, as such, uh, unless you've like been tested and quarantined, etc., etc. We've got exclusion zones between the players and media, so they have to extend like a ten-foot boom to interview them, and they're talking about charging Celtic for what Golly has done in his time off. It is absolutely insane. Celtic have done nothing wrong, okay? And if you want to charge teams for not following COVID procedures, how about Sevco, who played a game with nine players who hadn't passed a COVID test and they played a game, okay? They knew the rules. The SFA said, well, they should have known the rules, but we accept their explanation that they didn't quite understand them and they let them off with it. No charge. But they're bringing us up on charges when we have been... Probably putatively the best at following these rules in the league, But Sevco, Hibs, Motherwell, who all stuffed up in pre-season. There no retrospective charges in them. No mention of points deductions for them. Just Celtic and Aberdeen.
2: I find it unbelievable because in what in what business could you if have a set of rules like if I went is that my employer and I did something wrong and I breached regulations and I had to self-isolate for 14 days. That's not my my employer's responsibility. They don't have to self-isolate with me. They don't have to pay my fine for me. They don't get fined because I haven't done the right thing. So in an everyday walk of life, if you transplant that situation over to this situation, why are Aberdeen and Celtic getting fined? At the end of the day, the players fucked up. They need to, they're the ones who are responsible for their actions. On top of that, you've got to look at it and go, as you said about the Rangers play people and all that sort of stuff, the whole story about points deductions that apparently Lenny commented on, Hibbs, CEO or chairman has said something. If you listen to the BBC earlier in the week, one of their uh, one of their podcasts. There's like There's people just. There's certain people with blue tinted specs, and they're just like, I don't. No, you're not getting the situation. It's not a ranger situation. It's not an Aberdeen situation. It's not a Celtic situation. It's points should be deducted. But there's so many agendas off the back of people in the media trying to you know guide this guide the situation to get the sound bites that they want that you've seen it happen the last couple of days with the Hibs chairman Lenny and now uh, MacInnes up at Aberdeen all commenting on the back of things but if you get the transcript of what was actually said what the headline isn't matching what was said and the response isn't resp- responding to what was actually said it's responding to the headline and the interpretation that the person asking the question is putting forward. So I think the media is at it, to be honest with you, and it's going to be strange to see where the, how this plays out over the next few days as well. Liam, we'll jump over to you now for yeah, your take on is, all of this. If, yeah.
3: yeah, If, if the SFA are smart, they will just fine both clubs a nominal amount of money and then um, Celtic and Aberdeen will quietly take it The SFA will go on a kind of, you know, crusade of, you know, if you do this again, this will happen and that will happen. And um, then what will happen in the end is that um, nothing will happen because legally they can't do anything because they can't just retrospectively change the rules as they go along. You know, that's why Hearts ended up getting relegated, because they spent basically the entire summer trying to change the rules so that Hearts wouldn't go down. And then they found they can't retrospectively change their own rules. Celtic will just quietly take the take the fine because it'd be bad PR for them to try and create a fuss about it just now, you know, all the headlines would be Oh Celtic are so insensitive when there's people dying out there, they're throwing a tantrum over a few thousand pounds, you know, and it's a no win situation. But if they tried to strip points off us or whatever, nah, it won't happen. It legally cannot happen, and Celtic wouldn't let it happen.
2: And Sean, what's your take?
1: Uh, the funny thing about it is, just to follow up on what Liam said there, is I, I actually forgot about that. That Celtic basically sent personal apology to every team in the league, you know, it's particularly Kilmarnock. They even sent an apology direct to some Mirren, teams like that. There was a team that went into administration and liquidation and dragged the whole game down into red dispute. And somebody and they got a begrudged, like ten second soundbite from Sally McGoist on air, and that was it. There was no club apology, nothing like that. So, and that was a club action, whereas we're talking about again the action of an an individual. And as a club, we are taking public responsibility for that. But if these guys are trying to retroactively charge us, our lawyers are probably going to go through them. Because I don't know if you remember. Uh, I forgot the name of the guy that died young. Uh, Paul McBride. Uh, somebody help me out here. Aye. Paul McBride, yeah. So when they tried to give Lennon uh, the consecutive bans, and he went, well, took, took them up on it and went, no, nope, he can serve it concurrently, and there's nothing in your rules saying that he can't. And uh tell you, if he was about now, we would, be, we would have much more respect than we have... Uh, he, I think he's a loss to us because we, we're fighting this establishment and it's like all, now and always we're fighting this establishment and it's going to be even harder this year uh, with Operation stopped at Ten.
2: One further thing that I want to add after what you said as well, Liam, about the fines is that what they're talking about 100K fines per club, yet Thistle and Hearts, who took the league to court, getting fined a hell of a lot less for breaching a worse rule in terms of if that's what the max limit they could get fined in their in the regulations are and now they're wanting to find clubs $100,000 each you're having a laugh at the end of the day but you know it's the usual nothing surprises me out of the SFA and the SPFL but uh, yeah we'll get on with it I suppose and the Bolongoli Potential link with him going to Amiens in France, that's no longer an option. They've signed a Liverpool left back on loan. So hopefully, we can find a place to get rid of him ASAP.
1: I'd send him to East Bride FC or something like that. (laughs)
2: Uh, Send him him somewhere. You know, I've got the best place to send him. Send him to the Central Coast Mariners.
1: Aye. Why not? Although, actually, because they don't have a game till March, that's probably why not. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, good point. Yeah, so I think we've covered off everything we had in the news there, yep. So we'll jump into our main topic today, which is the game that happened less than 24 hours ago, 6-0 win to Celtic in the first round of the Champions League qualifiers against K.R. Reykjavik. Sean?
1: Yeah, um, do you want me to okay. correctly pronounce the name for you first, Jared? Yeah,
2: yeah okay, uh, just Yeah, <laughs>
1: Uh KR Reykjavik. Uh now my brother actually lives in Reykjavik. So I've tapped him up for information and uh he's not a football fan, so he was he was pretty useless. He had nothing. Uh he was disappointed that the game was drawn in Glasgow because if it was drawn in Iceland, he would he's a tour guide, so he would have got some business from that. Uh so scanner for him. Uh when I seen the team come out, I was like, oh yes, we're playing 3-5-2. Brilliant. El he's gonna be number two, striker up top, and then two minutes into the game, I'm like, nope, 4-3-3. Uh, as it turned out, it was actually, the fullbacks were so high up, it was more of a 2-4-4, four, four, uh, Christie pushing up as well. But uh, higher, higher on the bench was interesting. Uh, I'm guessing that was actually down to a loss of form, because to be honest, he's, I've not been impressed him in 2020 in general, and... and You know, I've not seen anything in recent games that's turned that around. Um, Yeah, it was a good game overall. I thought the opposition were piss poor. I thought they were worse than any any top flight team I can think of and bring to mind. I think that's to do with they've barely played any football. Uh, They had a couple injuries, I believe. Uh, They're used to playing on synthetic surfaces, all all these things, and just a lack of ability as well. They were very poor. And I thought 6 0, quite frankly, uh, flattered them. A um, couple other points. I mean, I, I don't want to go. We can talk through some of the, the highlights in a moment. I thought it was between El Hamid and El Yunusi for a man in the match. I think because El Yunusi scored that second goal, he probably edged it. Uh, somebody asked me if, if the My brother uh, asked me if. Will, We looked a bit rusty. I said, you know, I I don't think we did look rusty. I just thought that uh, in the second half, we just kind of eased off the gas a bit. You know, we were shifted down a gear. Not that we looked rusty. but thought Brown looked sharp. Uh, It was interesting that he came off after 60 minutes. I think that's something we can talk about as a separate subject. Christie looked uninvolved again. Um... Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a few more points I want to raise, but I, I, I've been talking for a few minutes now, so I'll, what do you guys think about the game?
3: Um, yeah, you, I think it was a, a very professional, very polished performance. Um, yeah, Reykjavik didn't look that great, but um, you can only beat what's in front of you, and I think Celtic went about it exactly the right way. Um, I was really glad that we got the two goals quite early on just to settle the nerves because um, these first-round ties are always a wee bit edgy, even if you are heavily expected to win. Um, no, I, I think it was overall very good. It was great to see El United's score, because it has had a bit of a rough start to the season. So him getting a couple of goals and the man-of-the-match performance was exactly what he needed. Um, like Sean said, El Hamed I thought was excellent. Um, I'd like to see him get a sustained run in the team now. Um, I really think he's earned it. And... Um, yeah, overall, I think a very good performance. Good to see the two uh, um, new striker come on for the last 15 minutes as well and get a run out. So that'll be good for his confidence. Yeah, all on. I'm very happy with how it went.
2: We knew going into the game, we weren't going to lose, let's be honest here. So it was a matter of well, how much. And 6-0 for the overall game was great, but it could have been 6-0 at halftime. Like we're that dominant. Eddie's wide open header about four minutes in. There was one where there was a couple of others that were cleared off the line. There mm-hmm. was one where the guy used his arm on the line later on. It was just we could have could have ran the cricket score, could have been in double figures if we kept the foot down the whole time. It made sense that after an hour we slowed it down a bit, conserve some energy, get through the game, get ninety minutes into the leg. There was no point pushing that hard when, you know, it's not like you gotta you're gonna have another game on the weekend in the league and then you're gonna to have to play again next Tuesday again in the Champions League. So it makes sense. Um thing that jumped out to me was I didn't I liked the fact that Alanusi was out on the wing, but then he came in and played behind the strikers and got it more central, which was good to see. I think that suited him pretty well. And later on when we brought on Jetty and Clamalla, I thought those two were linking up pretty well. Both gave getting in the right areas, working hard. I think that's good for the future. And it was like, Eddie looked over, saw them boys getting ready to come on. He's like, nah boys, you take some notes. Here. This is how it's done. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. Uh, it was a, one thing, a few things. Yeah. I agree with what you're saying there. Um, they, yeah. These pre, these early European games tend to normally act as pre-season games for us. And today, tonight, yesterday, was very much felt like that as well. You know, it felt that same way. Uh, the the first goal that they conceded that we scored was amateur, absolute amateur. Like, it was long ball from Julian. El-Yanussi uh, you know, takes one touch on the long ball and he's around the keeper for a tap-in. I mean, that is like playing against Arboroth. That's the sort of goal you would you would even expect to, expect to score that sort of goal against Arboroth. Um. Yeah, the Barkas, when he made his first save just before half-time, what occurred to me at that point was, yeah, he's just played 135 minutes of football for Celtic and that's his first save. <laughs>
2: that's a
1: good point. <laughs> yeah, and,
2: uh, well there.
1: yeah, and to be honest with you, he, he had a bit more work to do in the second half. Uh, They came out about at 4-0, 5-0, but I, I actually... Th- I don't know what you guys thought, but
3: I thought he looked a bit fumbly. I thought he looked a bit shaky. No, I, I think, think he looked he looked—he comfortable with the ball at his feet. Um, he was still getting to know the defence, and I think that showed a couple of times. But no, I, I didn't see anything that gives me any great cause for concern. I think he looked solid enough.
2: I didn't see anything wrong with him either. I thought the only thing wrong with him is that he's not... Fraser Forster in the way that Fraser will just likes to catch the ball and then fall on top of it, where he would, you know, quickly get it moving again. So it's a slightly different way they both play, but I I rate him. I like the way he played, so I'm not gonna complain about it. The first goal, that touch by Alanoussi, the cushion the ball away from the keeper, go around him and tap it in, amazing. Then you've got their second goal. The second goal, which was the own goal. I'm like, I feel bad for their keeper in that. There's nothing he could have done. His teammate just stitched him up. So that was, it was either Eddie was going to put it in or it's an own goal. So unfortunate for him, but we'll take it.
1: I thought Eddie got a touch. Did Eddie not get a touch? Did he not get nah. it? St- striker's goal? No?
2: Nah? No, nah, it was own goal.
1: Nah, I thought it was. I, I thought off
2: it was. The, mm. It's funny, the ball came in from the right and it went in off the defender's left foot. So it went it was, across Eddie, across the defender's but foot closest to the ball and winning off his other leg.
1: Oh, oh, okay. That's what it was. I thought they both got a touch.
2: And then Julian, the third one, the header. And then the best part was goes and scores, does your celebration, does the Superman. And then just looks at the crowd like, what, where are you? Throws the hands up. That was hilarious. (laughs) So I thought that was pretty handy. And then you've got um, Taylor scoring with his head. Great cross from El Hamid. Gets the header. The back post and I love the reaction. Alanusi just looks at him, puts his hands together like, You're this big. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like I can say, like, How'd you that you said and then you're this big? How'd you score that? So I like the banner that was there, and Bruni gets in on it as well. James he has a bit of a laugh at him, so it was good. And Eddie with that with the fifth goal. That footwork. At first I thought it just bobbled in off the defenders a few times, and then they went to the reverse angle on the camera, and I'm just like dude. Look at that footwork.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So that was typical Eddie. And then, yeah, as you said earlier, Alan here to finish off with the, getting a double later on. Good way to finish off a good solid 90 minutes from him. Anything you got no, to add, I think
3: you guys have pretty much covered it. I just, um, I think that um, it's um, it's important that we, we keep our heads on for next week because it's going to be a much, much tougher game, whoever gets through. Um, most likely Jagardens, but I mean, even if, even if it's Ferencvaros, it'll still be a tough game. Um, we should win, but we can't be complacent. And we can't play with the same open, kind of gung-ho attitude we did last night. You know, we need to be a bit more cautious.
1: Yeah, um, in terms of the what you were saying, Jared, about the Taylor header, that was, um, see, when that, when that goal went in, was it 25 seconds into the second half? And I was like, there's not a single team in the Scottish Premiership that would allow that to happen. And if it did happen, we'd absolutely read the riot act to each other. It was a one-yard back post, one-yard off the line header. I was like, oh, that's embarrassing for that team when that goal went in. But, you know, that's it. That's what you're facing at that stage. Um, I don't, the, the one you're talking about as well, uh, where the defender saved it on the line with his hand... I didn't actually think it was a handball because it was in his chest, um, but just just before that, uh, I can't remember who it was that took the shot. Maybe I'll you know say before it fell to Edwards, and it, the keeper saves it with his face. And it just reminded me of uh, uh, Scott Sterling. Have you ever seen that video? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the keeper that
3: takes about five penalty
1: kicks in the face, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, Scott Sterling. Yeah, I'll share it with you on Twitter later. It's an uh, absolute classic. Um, but one one other point from the first half that I think we need to talk we need to talk about is uh, uh, Taylor taking another kick and it's a, it's like every second game now he seems to be getting treatment and uh, that's a worry since he's now our only left back. What do you guys think?
2: I think they're doing it because he's little and it's like well they're not going to kick Julian are they? <laughs> they're not going to kick Bruni. Who's the smallest guy here? yeah he'll do. Uh, I think it's more his speed more than anything. He's actually pretty quick off a couple of page, a couple of steps to get going. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm not liking the looks of that, but yeah, it is what it is though. Got to get another left back in though.
1: Yeah, I'm feeling about late.
2: Sign you up, Sean. Get over there, don't you play left back?
1: Oh uh, man, I'm moving into my field In um, the changing yeah. room. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no, mate. I get on the pitch. I'm oh, right ah, back in the changing room. Mate.
3: No, yeah, progress, I suppose.
2: It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what I was going to say about the, um, the the next round of games, as you said earlier, Liam, like it's going to be a big step up from this week's game.
3: Aye.
2: I'd rather it be the Hungarian team over the Swedish team. I'm saying it that way because I don't want to butcher more names because Sean will give me pelters. So <laughs> I'd rather it play the Hungarian team. Um, however, both teams have got a chance of, being a case of the closures for us, if that makes sense from last season, if we're not switched on,
3: aye, aye, we need to be careful. Um, you know, on paper, two teams we should beat, but football's played on grass, so just take nothing for granted.
1: Ah, uh, look, I'm just happy we're at home. That's 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 the big thing. You know, we do. I know, I know, there's no crowd advantage, but the travel, you know, particularly if we were playing the Hungarian mob, the travel it's a four-hour fight almost. You know.
2: To then play on a goat track over there, exactly. Yeah, compared to the carpet at Celtic Park. Oh, did you see the um the Adidas in the top deck at the, the game? Yeah, it was pretty low key. It looks pretty crap.
1: Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. I was expecting three stripes all the way round. I'd like to think that's a working progress. rather. Yeah, I hope so.
2: I would have rather the you know the the old Adidas logo that looks like a big W. I would have rather that. If you're not going to go three stops, do that, rather than just little letters at the front of the stand saying Adidas. Like, I don't know. I was expecting a lot better, but I'm hoping it's only stage one of it.
1: Yeah, I hope so, because it was pretty poor. Uh, can we quickly talk about uh, the two strikers? Uh, I think somebody kind of touched on it earlier, but I honestly thought they were kind of peripheral and really not, didn't look up to much. I think I, after the game, Lennon mentioned what what his exact words were something like... Um, they clearly both need to work on their fitness, which is interesting for Kamala, but, you know, makes sense for a Jetty who's just came straight from nothing. You know, he finished the season and he's not not done a preseason yet.
2: He didn't uh, play much last year either, so... Correct, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah but there was at one point a Jetty just fell over under no pressure, just taking a bad touch. And, you know, Kamala wasn't really getting involved in much either. Uh, the two of them had clearly no communication they'll link up I don't think I mean, maybe either or both of them can play off Edward but together it showed nothing I thought
2: Yeah I think they're both secondary strikers in that if you've got Edward as the main guy or Griff as the main guy and then you've got you know them playing with them at work but having them together even though I said earlier that yeah it was good to see them out there together and they were trying to link up and they were working hard the work rate was there, but I specifically sat there and re-watched the last 20 minutes of the game just before we started recording and purely just watched the strikers because I wanted to see what they were doing. And you can see there's a player there, but we need to, you know, get their fitness up, as Lenny said.
1: Uh, did you want to add anything, Liam? I was going to talk uh, about No, no I point. think
2: you guys have pretty
3: much covered it.
1: Uh, what I wanted to talk about was Scott Brown, Uh I thought he looked pretty sharp better than he did in the first couple of Scottish games uh, he had a good touch good sharpness and then despite the fact he looked sharp and was moving the ball quickly he, he got hooked after 60 minutes and I'm wondering if that's basically going to be the theme for a season he's going to be playing 60-65 minutes and coming off and then maybe missing the odd game as well I feel like what do you guys think is he going to be based on a wind down this season are we going to be using him in the crucial moments and doing that sort of thing.
2: I think he's a three out of four game player. Like he'll play the equivalent of three out of four, whether that's 60 minutes in, you know, four straight games or whether he plays three games and then gets rested for one. I think that's the way we'll see it going forward this year. I don't see him playing the 90 minutes twice a week like he has been for the last few years.
3: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's just going to be a, a question of managing managing him through this season. And I think there's a probably a 50-50 chance that he'll retire at the end of the season assuming we get the 10
2: that wouldn't <laughs> surprise me at all
1: oh, I'd say I'd say it's even more than 50-50 but like just like if you're just going on last night's game like the difference between in and Brown is when you get in on you've got more finesse and you've got more mo- more mobility He covers more yeah. than the pitch but when when you lose Brown you lose intensity and you lose experience and and you lose discipline you know like there's they're both great players and I don't think you can talk about them being the same It's, you know is it a case of we just need to manage and be selective about what games Brown's going to play has somebody had a word with and about us I don't know
3: that's also why when the time comes that Brown retires I think it's crucial we keep him as part of the backroom team because that motivation is something that we're going to need and it's not easily replaced
2: spot on Liam yeah I'm I've got to keep him around the club um yeah, it's one of those ones where, as you said, Sean, like more mobility when Cham's on, more discipline and structure when Bruni's on. So it's going to be horses for courses for the coaching staff to figure out what games do we need what in. So as they say in Lenny, we trust. So let's get on with it and see how they go.
1: So, so to go purely on, just give a quick instinctual answer what percentage of minutes... Scott Brown play this year? Because I'm guessing he played about 95 percent last year. What do you reckon this year?
2: There was actually a um a stat that came out once we were out of the knocked out of the Europa League, and all the players on there who played more than ninety five percent of the club's European minutes for all their games last year were all ages twenty four to twenty eight. Hmm. And then there was Bruni. Alright. Oh, <laughs> so, as long as we don't get that over reliance on him again, I think if he if he's playing maybe seventy five percent of the games, which is where I was saying three out of four before, mm-hmm. I'm happy with that.
3: Yeah, I I'd, I'd say about sixty five to seventy percent is would be my my guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One
2: last thing on the game, boys. I was just gonna quickly throw it in there. Was there anyone that you were disappointed with how they played or what their performance was in the game? Like, uh, for me, I didn't really notice James Eel that much to start off with. I'm not trying to pick on him, but him and Christie, I didn't think played at their usual standards.
1: I thought that's been a problem for Christie consistently so far this season is he's just not heavily involved as much as he was last year. I think Forrest gets on the ball a lot and his final ball's is not quite there yet. Uh and, you know, I, I, I don't want to judge him on the plastic pitch, uh, so it's, it's hard to say. But for me, Christie was the one that, I wouldn't say he was poor, but he was certainly the least involved.
3: Uh, I mean, it, it was a game where I don't think anybody had a bad game, but if you've got to pick out the ones who were perhaps not quite at the same level as everybody else, then, yeah, Christy would be the one I would, I would single out. Um, but as I say, it's not to say he had an especially bad game. I just think there were other players who really performed and he just kind of was just average, you know?
2: The funny thing is though, you go through the, like a few of the websites and people are sharing the red tops around and that. And a couple of the um, pages, it's like, I think it was on the Scottish sun, for instance, they get someone there gave you Christian eight out of 10 for the game. One of three players to get that for us. Today? And I'm like, how, I'm like, how were you watching the same game as me? Like, I didn't get it, but he got an 8 out of 10 with them. And then there was another one, I have no idea who it was. I think it might have been the Guardian or someone, and he got an 8 out of 10 there as well. And I'm like, how? So, I don't know. I suppose it's in the eye of the uh, person yeah, watching the game.
3: That, that, that Sun Journalist, probably <laughs> that Stevie Russian Wander? midfielder smutting off, you know. <laughs> yeah. Or
2: no, Johnny Walker, you know. A bit, a bit too much. Yeah. Or Stevie Wonder. There <laughs> we go. Have
1: you ever seen oh, Stephen Wonder's house?
2: <laughs> hey, <here>. oh, <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> oh Shit. Okay, so Sean, I'll throw over to you then to go to um, the last couple of things we've got in our run sheet for this podcast.
1: Yep. Okay. So uh, to introduce a new game, it's called uh, Would You Rather, and it's not uh, anything sordid like you might do at a drinking party. It's more of a a fast uh, reaction to place the the level of current Celtic players against past ones. Uh, Now, in order to make it relevant and valid, I've tried to stick to players that we would have all uh, seen play. Uh, Looking at the list for today, there's only one that really played before our lifetime, and that's simply because... Even though he played before our lifetime, he's someone we've seen play, uh, you know, in past videos and things like that. So the idea is I pick one player from the current squad and I shout out uh, this player or the past player. And you just quickly react, the two of you uh, will probably, so you're not shouting over each other, we'll just say, Jared, you go first, Liam, you go second, and you just quickly say one name. Yeah? Yeah. Does that make sense?
2: Two thumbs up. And it's...
1: It's based on uh, the best they did for Celtic. So, so, in a
2: Celtic shirt only, not overall?
1: Correct. So, if I'm talking about Van Dyke, I'm not talking about Champions League final. I'm talking about what he did for Celtic. Yeah, got that. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay, so quick fire. Don't need to elaborate. If you're not sure, you can have a minute to uh, um and you know. But either way, we'll start today with Greg Taylor, okay? Right. So I'll say Greg Taylor or, and you tell me which player. You just say Taylor or the other one. Okay, so Greg Taylor or Bolly Ball and Taylor.
3: Tyler. Liam? Right, so are you going to tell me one and I'll tell you one
1: or the other? No, no, I, I say Taylor or Ball and Gully and you tell me who you would rather have. All right. So Jared Taylor. says Taylor and you say Bolling... Okay, there we go. Okay, so I'm just going to go through our list, okay? Greg Taylor or Kieran Tierney?
3: Tierney. Tierney.
1: Greg Taylor or Ross Wallace?
3: Taylor. Taylor.
1: Greg Taylor or Tosh McKinley?
3: Tosh. I'm going to say
1: Taylor. Greg Taylor or Lee Naylor? Pass. (laughs) Uh,
3: I would say Lee Naylor.
2: I'm at a... I'd happily have... I think they're the same level. (laughs) So, you know, because he's going for 10 in a row, Taylor.
1: Okay. Greg Taylor or Stephen Craney? Crane Greg Taylor or Mokemara?
2: Taylor. Taylor.
1: Greg Taylor or Tom Boyd? Tom Boyd. Tom Boyd. Greg Taylor or Ulrich Larson.
2: I don't even remember that player,
1: so
3: Taylor. <laughs> um I'll say Taylor. Um yeah, Taylor.
1: Okay. Greg Taylor or Stephen Mahe? Mahe. Mahe. Greg Taylor or Emilio Izaghere?
2: Isagiri. Taylor. Are we talking Isagiri before the leg break or after?
1: Yeah, peak Isagiri.
2: Dan Isagiri.
1: Okay. Greg Taylor or Charlie Mogro Charlie Mogrew. More versatile. And the last one, Greg Taylor or Tommy Gemmell?
2: <laughs> no need to answer these.
1: <laughs> Gemmell! Yeah. So, that's interesting. There was some d- divide there, but we seem to have settled on the... Right, Taylor is very much on the level of Lee Naylor. Yeah, aye, pretty much. because I mean, I, yeah.
3: I chose Naylor, but I definitely
1: had to think carefully about it. Yeah. So, but we could always be all you both kind of agreed. Tierney, Tom Boyd are both clearly ahead. Uh, is Peaky zagiri as well? So we're and not. Say- yeah, and Mahi. Sorry, and Charlie Mulgrew. So we're so we're not saying that. Taylor's is anywhere near our best left back that we've had in recent history. But he's on the higher. He's on the yeah, upper end. decent. Yeah. So that's uh, the first episode of Would You Rather next week.
2: The funny happened? thing is, though, with that, is we're comparing Greg Taylor in his second year at the club at age 22 or 23 or whatever he is to guys like Izaguirre and Mulgrew who were like, Twenty-eight to thirty, sort of thing, at those, that point in time when their peak years at the club. So it's apples and oranges a little bit, but at the same time, it's still good to see where we all think he's at.
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it does give us a good idea, and uh, it's it's promising. Look, I think at the end of the year, Taylor's in with a shout of being one of the best players in the team. You know,
2: I think he's been our best so far. It's really, I think he's yeah, been yeah, yeah, yeah. Top two or three players that we've had so far this season through all the France games the league game so far and everything that we've seen. I think he's in the top two or three that we've had this season so far.
1: Yep. He's improved
3: a lot in a year. Yep, definitely one of the breakout stars of the season he's so out. far.
2: We all complained last year about him being a good defender but not offering enough going forward. And then he goes forward today and scores with his head at the back post. Like, I know that's the standard levels, the standard of competition that we're playing against. But at the same time, like the improvement is there. It's obvious for all to see. So long may it continue.
1: Yeah. I can say pretty much and he'll probably get an assist in almost every home game this year, I'd say.
2: Nice.
1: The way anyway we play. Um so uh just to before I move on from that, just a shout. If anyone on Twitter has any suggestions for next week's player, uh just get in touch. So someone from the current squad.
2: Just send uh, a message through or comment. On the uh, podcast when it's shared around in the like, when we share it around, guys, comments and yeah, do it on Julian or do it on James or whoever you want to hear, it and we'll have a crack from there. Sounds good.
1: Cool. So, will I uh, finish up with a teaser? Yeah. So, to go back to the last one we did, uh, uh, which former Celtic captain's dad was Jim Aitken? Did you Roy guys Aitken. know that one? Roy Aitken. His dad was Jim Aitken. Yes. Uh, not sure did anyone answer that one Jared
2: i think there was one person commented with an eye roll emoji <laughs> and that was a it. <laughs> it was your all it was teaser eye roll emoji that was the only <laughs> comment i saw about it and i'm like okay
1: yeah that was a it was very much off the cuff because we didn't have one ready but i've got one for you today okay and it's another who am i so former celtic player who am i I played in derbies for one Edinburgh team and four Glasgow teams. Who am I? I played in derbies for one Edinburgh team and four Glasgow teams. Who am I?
2: As usual, comment on the post. Let us know. You get it right. You get give a shout out on the podcast next week. All right, boys. Thanks for having a chat again. It's good to uh, get on here and talk Celtic, especially it's been a slow news week, but... We had the game this morning, which was good. Um, bring on the game Was it against Dundee yeah. United on the weekend, isn't it? it
1: yep. So it's, a, it's a late game, isn't it? It's a late game, I think.
2: Saturday afternoon, I think, which was good. good time for us over here to watch it in Sunday morning. Got anything else you boys want to add?
1: No, uh, just hopefully Sevco drop some points against Kilmarnock before we play just after them and that would be a nice wee Sunday. Ah,
2: mm-hmm. oh, what? Cue the meltdown if that happens. <laughs> Mhm. All right. Have a good one, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Got any feedback for us? Let hail us later. know. Hail hail.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.